words overheard by the Nazi child masturbating in the bedroom. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I don't know why men instinctively pull on the fabric of their parachute. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Knives Out. I feel like we should have murder mystery names. Oh, okay. Like, like uh, I should be... Um, Shaquille. Okay, and I'll be Thaddeus Bumbershoot. Yeah, Thaddeus Bumbershoot's really good. Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. N- n- <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. No, no, Thaddeus wait, wait. Bumbershoot. Well, I, I was suddenly O'Neal. realizing that these are very like English sounding names, and I was like, wait, what is an Indian sounding? I don't uh, know. Pompous name. <laughs> yeah, Shahir Dowd. What's the most posh sounding? Indian name. Like, I don't know, actually. That's a really great question. Well, I write guess. us in. Only movie podcast, gmail.com. Tell us your posh Indian names. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Why don't I know this? I, I'm the worst Indian. No. Uh, we are the best podcast, though, according to one of our iTunes reviews, which no. is what I'm, I'm excited to read out. It's okay. been a little while since I I've actually haven't read this one, so I, I'm, I'd like to hear it. All right, here we go. This comes in from Lindsay McGuffey, who gives us five... Out of five. Oh, Lindsay, thank you so much. I know stars are important, and 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 you don't have to do it. Uh, myself and my best friend Leela listen to your podcast every night at work. We love both of your opinions. What up, Leela? That's yeah, contentious. Oh, <laughs> and, you, and bounce off each other so incredibly well. Uh, something I'm curious about curious about is: Will you be reviewing Honey Boy? We oh. just saw it this weekend and loved it. We would love to hear what both of you think about Shia LaBeouf's first written film, especially because it's so personal and close to him. His childhood. Uh, and another, are there any movies you guys are super excited about? We can't wait for Uncut Gems, directed by the Safdie brothers. Their previous film, Good Time, starring Robert Patterson and one of the brothers themselves, was amazing. All in all, love your podcast. I uh, thank you so much for that email. Is uh, uh, for that thank uh, you very much. iTunes review. Very very. That nice was very week. sweet. And again, that I it, it means a ton. Yeah, uh, that you did that because uh, you know it helps of the things like it's you know emails are always very nice. We always want to talk to everybody, but like that's where that's where the the real motion is made. Oh, look at that! Um, so thank you very much. Uh, uh, upcoming film. So I I would love to do Honey Boy, and yeah. I and I want to see Uncut Gems. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some I, I'm point. I'm just like uh, Good Times is currently on Amazon Prime, and mm. it's like staring me down as like. You need to watch. Why haven't you watched me yet? Yeah. Um, so, because uh, Good Times is also shot in Astoria. Um, oh, so, shoot. so uh, I really want to see that. I think also apparently that might have been the film that got Rob Pattison the gig. Really? The bat gig. Um, <laughs> we swear to him. Yeah. Um, in addition to like the Shia LaBeouf 2019 year, <laughs> uh, you know, in addition to Honey Boy, I'd love to do. I, I'm sad we missed uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. I, I you can really... do Jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> Superstar Shia LaBeouf. Superstar Shia LaBeouf. Um, no, there's a lot. Of movies this year that I'm 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 really bummed that we missed out on. Um, well, the end of the year for us gets crazy. We just met up um, yeah. uh, very briefly at, yeah. on a whim. You were carrying gifts back, and I was like, "Yo, what are we doing this?" You're like, "I can walk by and talk, I guess." And we're like, "Fine." Yeah. So we figured out like the rest of our year schedule and how we're going to be able to actually record. And you know, you know what's funny about the the rest of the year schedule is it's all anchored around one particular film that we know we have to do. Sure, cats. <laughs> I was thinking Star Wars. But oh, yeah, 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 I mean that too. Yeah, but Star Wars is the least interest. I mean, I don't know how about you feel about it. Is it like to you know, me of all the films that are potentially coming out? You know, Uncut Gems, uh-huh. um, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, you know, like Marriage uh, Story, Pain and Glory, Marriage Story, A Hidden Life. The, Star Wars just seems. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like I we. Uh, we have much else to say about Star so Wars. So I've never been the. I mean, I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, but I if someone's like, "Are you like? Is that your like fandom or whatever?" Yeah. I would I'd be like, "No, like yeah. it's not like I like it, but great." Uh, I, and for this one, it, this is more of a. Oh, I'm curious how it quote 
air quotes hard ends. Okay. Like I, I, I like I am I'm very curious about it, but also I don't find myself like for Endgame, like leading up to Endgame course, was, yeah. was me just like, oh man, like how's how it going like, to What's end? it going to do? And, da, 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 da. and this one, I'm like, well, I'll see it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, that, I am that, not. That's how I feel about Star Wars at this point. It's and, like, yeah, I'll see and it. And it's not that I don't like the other movies and the other characters. It's just not something. Star Wars has never been the thing that I'm like, I got to do this now. Yeah. Um, Cats, on the other hand. <laughs> Cats, on the other hand. Uh, I Tom, am. Tom Hooper, right? He's the director. Yeah. He did the uh, Les Miserables. I am. King Speech. So on fucking bored right meow i <laughs> want to see that so just so listeners know and i'm going to talk about this a little bit when we do these episodes my movie going experience will be friday morning if you want to come say hi i'll be at the astoria kaufman theater at 8 a.m to see star wars and then at 11 10 to see cats we're doing a double feature we're getting them done so we can get these podcasts out hot and fresh to you Ooh, like a big pile of cat stuff um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've obviously heard, I haven't watched the trailers, but I've obviously seen images and I've seen like little snippets of the trailer. I've never seen Catch the Musical. I've always thought Catch the Musical seemed ridiculous. It is. My, my, my better half, Jamie, has taken me to see Catch the Musical. And I did not, I straight up, I didn't fully connect with the material. Uh, I think it's something that actually um, is... Have, and you have a cat. I love it. It's the I, best. And I love cats too. Um, do I love cats? Do I well, love love Well, cats? so here's the thing. The songs are fun. It is a good time. The story is dated and weird, and also it's kind of just like a weird head trip. The sets and the dancing is nuts. So like they kind of put that sort of through as well. But it's just this is something weirdly enough that I have not seen on film before. Of course. And I I that's what gets me super interested. And the trailer, and everyone's like, oh my God, it's terrifying. I'm like, no, this is like what goes on in my head. Like I am here for this. Bring on Rum Tum Tugger or whatever is their rum names tum-tigger? are. Rum Tum Tigger, Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, then you know, uh, the, the, then they have all these different cats that have different songs and like. So, so the movie you are most excited about to finish out the year or to, to get coming up is Cats. Yes. <laughs> at, at first, I was at first I was going to be like have the caveat of like, well, the one I'm the most excited to talk about. But honestly, it's Cats. It's Cats. Man. That's cool. I, and, and like, I don't know. At least you know. Look, at least I, I think I'm more on board the Cats train than I am the Star Wars train because I feel like I don't know what the conversation. We've never be seen something like Cats before. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen something like Star Wars before. I've that's seen why, ten of them before. That's why I'm <laughs> moderately excited to see this Star Wars. Right. Um. But other than, uh, 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 you know, uh, are we talking? So it was the, was the question actually? Just uh, for till the end of the year. Uh, I mean, I guess just films that are coming up. I mean, and we, had I, and a big, we had a big trailer weekend. I know you don't watch trailers. Oh, what came? What trailers? Uh, Black out? Widow trailer. Okay, dope as fuck. I'm uh, interested in the director uh, of that, Kate Shortland. She directed one of my favorite films of all time, Wonder Woman trailer. Wonder Woman 1984 looks fun, and it's a good trailer because it gives nothing away, and it still shows you a bunch of neat stuff. It does have how does it feel in it, like like the how. Well, does, but here's the thing: feel. it's just the beat, and yeah. you're waiting because it's like dung 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 dung, and you're like, it's gonna hit now, and it never does. There's no words, so you're like infinitely it, left uh, hanging. Do they do a remix of it? You know, like yeah. the, the trailer yeah. version. Okay. Uh, also, the movie that I didn't even know was coming out that I'm now excited for is. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the guy movie from Ryan Reynolds. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, Free Guy. Free Guy. Yeah. Which yeah. you I, you watch the trailer, and I, I kind of don't even want to spoil it for you, Shahir. But I I know exactly what this film is. Okay. Yeah. Well, then the it's literally Ryan Reynolds. Uh, you know, spoiler alert for this trailer. Uh, as a GTA NPC. Yeah. And if you don't know what those letters mean, don't worry about it. But it's a very exciting uh exciting thing for me. And then oh, there was one more trailer that dropped. Oh, uh, the new Ghostbusters trailer, mm. which. I don't give a shit about. <laughs> um, but 
it's great that it's sort of, you know, going back to form or just becoming Stranger Things or something. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll I don't see. Know. But directed by um, uh, the, the Junior Reitman, right? Uh, yes. Not Ivan. Uh, what, what is his name? He directed um, Juno. Um, Jason Reitman. No, is it Jason? No, that's not Jason Reitman. No? No, it's... It's, 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 it, it's, it's, it is Jason Reitman. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I don't know why I was uh, uh, doubting myself. Anyway, um, yeah. Big trailer cool. weekend. Cool. It was nice. It was nice. Every, every like six hours, I was like, huh? Okay, one more thing before we get to Knives Out then. The other thing that happened last week was the Golden Globes nominee, oh, nominees. Yeah. Uh, and we were asked on Twitter just to kind of briefly give our thoughts on this. I think I only want to spend a couple of minutes on this. Uh, best film, drama. These are the five nominees. 1917, a film nobody's seen. Which I want to see that movie still. It's single take? Same that, yeah. 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 And it's Deacons, right? Yeah, Roger Deacons. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I uh, do I need another war film in my life? I no, but at least it sounds like it sounds like the, he's doing something interesting with the way that it's shot. Children of Men? I don't know. Look, I'm uh, I'm Sam Mendes. Yes, I'm there to see it. Roger Deakins. Yes, I'm there to see it. World War. It's World War One, right? Um, Which better than World War Two, in my opinion. For because uh, that wasn't it more horrible. But uh, for for I feel like the the stories, but that you can pull. For, I don't know. Maybe I'm just World War Two out. I don't know. It, you know. All whatever. right. A uh, couple of the usual suspects on here: The Irishman, Martin yep. Scorsese. What would you expect? Uh, Joker. Getting a best picture nom for the ha, Golden Globes. Ha ha. Uh, the Two Popes, which I have not seen, nope, uh, and Marriage Story, which I have seen twice now. Uh, and I'm very excited for us to talk about that. Uh, best comedy, Dolomite is my name. That's another film I'm excited to have uh, for us to do, which I, I don't know if we're going to get to. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit is it going to pull the? Is it going to pull it out of the? Is it going to pull the rabbit out of the hat for this one? Uh, this is the one that. This is the film that everyone's kind of talking about. Might kind of. Sneak by? Sneak by uh, by winning here and eventually going to the Oscars. I don't know. Um, I got... I'm not, yeah. yeah, you know, let's see. Uh, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man, a movie that came out like, it felt like 30 years ago. Years ago. I thought it was the same year as um, the as Queen. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, but it's not. Uh, but this is the, okay, of, of all the Golden Globe nominees, this is the thing I want to talk about. Okay. Best foreign film. Okay. Nominees are. You don't want to talk about all the, the, the and now the best uh, the director who's all men? Uh, no, well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Natalie Portman, yeah! yeah. Uh, okay, best foreign film, Les Miserables. Uh, I hear it's fantastic. Pain and Glory, Pedro Almodovar's film, fantastic. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I hear is amazing. Re- really want to see. Now, these are the two films that really jumped out at me uh, for best foreign film that I thought were really interesting. One is Parasite. Um, okay, I understand, yep. I understand that. Should, in my opinion, should be in the best film category, not the best foreign film category, but, you know, whatever. That's foreign a, language. Yep, whatever. The, the next one, though, that, uh, that I haven't mentioned on this list, does that jump out at you at all? Yeah, that's dumb as shit. The Farewell is nominated for best foreign film. Uh, be- but like, it's, I want to I want to be clear because we're saying not best foreign film. This says in the title mm. on the website, best motion picture dash foreign language. Okay. So I, because, I, because foreign film... I mean, let's let's talk about even well, that the, a little bit too, but, but, right? But yeah, because there was a film from uh, Nigeria that was disqualified from the best foreign uh, foreign foreign film category at the Oscars this year because in this particular part of Nigeria they speak English. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's, it's literally like that, and this moment is a real okay boomer scenario. <laughs> like it's just you don't. Uh, fuck, that's weird and so dumb. The and farewell, unthought. a film about uh, an American, uh, uh, a young American girl going back to China to revisit her grandmother, is uh, considered a foreign film now. A foreign language a film. Foreign language film, despite being directed by an American, written by an American, um, produced by an American company, just shot in. So I wonder. I, I mean, look, 
the far, the language component is the thing that they really you know reeling on saying okay it's it's in a foreign language ergo it is a foreign language but film. Farewell uh, is probably maybe seventy five percent, if not a little less, in a foreign language. It it, it begs the like for example, I get the language is a thing, but for example, a film like Lost in Translation, right, which is a film set in Japan. Yep, about an American person. Visiting the only thing that the, that Lost in Translation is not doing is having um, the lead character speak Japanese. Sure. Other than that, it and the farewell are kind of this. You know, almost have the identical origin story yeah. in terms of their uh, foundation. Yep. But uh, this, you know, uh, the farewell will be considered a foreign language film. And, That's dumb uh, and as shit. And, uh, look, it's a it's an interesting topic, uh, interesting discussion point. That that the best foreign language film thing I think was really interesting, uh, and I'm I'm curious how this all plays out in the Oscars. But again, Parasite's wonderful. The Farewell is wonderful. Uh, whether they win awards should not you know hinder what. No, you... because the awards are just literally marketing budgets. That's really what we've we've talked about this before. We've talked and, about this, and segment. we're going to do it again when it comes around. Yeah. Uh, so wait, uh, tune in for that. Tune in for that episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. But let's pull some knives out. Let's pull some knives out. I was very excited for this film, not least with which because, uh, if you recall, we the last Ryan John, the only Ryan Johnson film we reviewed on this podcast was a little film called The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> he said that like a like a bounty hunter or like a Boba like a um I'm Boba uh, the Fett. No, no, yeah, Boba the Fett. No, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Jedi. Jedi. Last Jedi. Which Jedi is a film. Batan, uh, which is a film I actually revisited uh, uh, this last week oh. um, because I I felt I was fairly harsh on it when we You were. when we when when we actually reviewed it. And um, I, I have to. I'm not retracting what I said about it then because I think my my reaction there has to do with kind of what we were talking about in the Star Wars vein, which is that it just doesn't do anything for me as a story, right? Like like in terms of what's happening to the world and like whether my time you know spent in this universe is actually being rewarded by this iteration. But the one thing I had forgotten about and and maybe hadn't made note of is how freaking beautiful that movie is. It's a real pretty film. It's, it's a real pretty film. Uh, I I am a I've been a long proponent of <laughs> The Last Jedi. I've gotten into countless pointless nonsense <laughs> arguments with dipshits on the internet about it. Uh look, and I'm and and that's not to say if you don't like The Last Jedi, you can't be correct about a lot of things about it. There's lots of stuff where you can sort of nitpick. I've just always argued that the the uh the whole of the of the of the experience for me was very very enjoyable and therefore like yeah like there's sure. no hole there's no hole in the donut I, there's no hole, but there's another donut in there that's oh a smaller donut it's a smaller donut um but like i thought like, like i just really liked this was one of the first star wars in a while anyway where yeah zoe i agree uh where the um what's it called the characters actually like fail and then learn in a weird way like luke does that in empire like sure yeah but like it is the natural um child of empire you know, like it is the second movie in the trilogy it is the one where but they fail in different ways yeah. too like uh poe he's the, the cocky flyboy that's always right and gonna sort of like really take the reins and like go for it and like when he does it that's the wrong thing to do and then like you know then because sending finn off and doing that stuff is kind of the wrong move because it kind of goes nowhere <laughs> and then like uh ray's whole thing and you know so now we're getting to spoiler alert for last jedi mm -hmm. or whatever but like uh you know how ryan johnson is just like nah now nah, ray you yeah. normal yeah, yeah i have a theory though oh god i have a theory and i hope it's right but i bet you it's not okay i think that because in the trailers uh, you ray is seen yoda's it. baby yep that's it yeah ray, ray, so ray, ray is, is baby yoda's, yoda's baby no yeah. <laughs> uh yo dito um no i think that palpatine coming back 
Is is that the thing? I haven't there's not a, there's that. a there's a he's been you can see on the IMDb page it's all there. Okay. Um that I think the whole thing has been uh that the emperor has been seeding like through the dark magics he's kind of mentioned in the prequels, uh various sort of like savior Jedi children to corrupt that's how anakin i think was even like was one of those programs and i bet you ray is like the last of those programs like i bet you and it might have been like called like it never would be called the skywalker initiative or whatever but like <laughs> i i think like that's going to be the half retcon or something like it that like but the retcon from jedi because of what was revealed in jedi the retcon no well what are you talking about specifically in jedi R uh, ray's parentage oh yeah sorry the last jedi not um return yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah because i i it's like they they probably won't take it back back but i doubt it's just going to be like no he's lying like and if it is that's a little weak sauce anyway that's my look, experience. The only reason I wanted to bring that up is just because the Ryan Johnson factor. And Ryan Johnson is a director. Um, yeah. I I was lucky enough to see Brick in the theater. Um, we went to a, a New Zealand film festival screening, and it was like sold out, packed house. Everybody loved this film. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, who is this guy? Uh, then The Brothers Bloom was another film I absolutely adored. Um, uh, you know, a con man movie. I, the thing that kind of really struck me about Ryan Johnson was that he's such a wordsmith. You know, yeah. he's such a clever wordsmith. You know, he's like... He takes sheer delight in construction in the construction of language, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I'm, I, I like what this guy's doing." And then, and then Looper knocked me for six. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, knocked me for six is a cricket term, by the way. It means you've been hit for the boundaries. Uh, but Looper knocked me for six. It, I absolutely love that because I was like, "Oh, this guy! Not only is this dude a real wordsmith, uh, you know, like." He also can do action. He can he's wrap a, his mind around the yeah, yeah the physicality yeah. of the action. Yeah, and like he, he became this director that I was like, he's clearly he's one of those few directors that I think is a writer first, but and then a director second. But he's such a good visual stylist, like he's such a elegant director. You know, and that was that thing when I went back and rewatched Jedi. I was like, man, this snow, uh, uh, sorry, the salt um, planet, <laughs> the design of this is so cool. Yeah, it's such an elegant use of like visual iconography to indicate, you know, loss, you know, because basically the, the, the snow flips up and becomes this blood red. And yeah. it's sort of like it gets around the sort of uh, not being able to use uh, blood. And I was like, that is so cool. Um, but I will say, you know, it, you know, not for Norton. It's what I said in the last Jedi review. I was like, I, I just, I really like this thing that Ryan Johnson was doing with Brick, the Brothers Bloom, and Looper. I was like, I don't, you know, like whatever genre he does, I'm like cool with. But last year, I felt like it was he was slotting into something else, and he did it very, very well. Like, don't get me wrong. I think I think he he managed to give it something, and and you know, like, but it wasn't quite the sort of level of wordsmanship and and the sort of unique voice that I had come to like be excited about with his work. I think he bent it as far as Disney would let him. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think you know, like he. I mean, all power to him because uh, because inevitably, the fact that he did it made a billion dollars and is like you know like he 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 described <laughs> yeah, he, it, he described in a podcast it was like basically uh, Knives Out was the quickest film he's ever you know like being able to put off the ground you know yeah. like he just he, he as soon as Star Wars was finished he sat down to write this thing cast it immediately and you know it, it was like he, he said it, you know the process was so quick and and for him that was just this amazing thing because it was like he he didn't get 
into the weeds in terms of like how twisty and turning this plot could be. He just kind of had to like yeah. muscle through it. Well, speaking of the cast, uh, this is a damn good cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you go down the list. You got Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, like La- uh, La- Christopher Stanfield. Plummer. What? Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the friggin' uh, Catherine Langford. Like, it's there's a ton of people in this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, I mean, uh, isn't the story with Daniel Craig uh, is that Daniel Craig was on set on The Last Jedi, uh, and he is a stormtrooper in, the, in one of The Last Jedi. He, he was in Force Awakens. Oh, was he in Force Awakens? Yeah. Okay, so that may be in How They Met or something like that. But, but it was like, yeah, there's this sense to this where it's like, uh, because it's an original piece, it's also it, it's it's simultaneously an original piece, but it's a throwback to a genre that isn't really done that much anymore, yeah. which is the the murder the, mystery, the murder, the whodunit murder the mystery, the whodunit, um, which is is obviously a subset. You know, like we have crime thrillers all Drama. the time, but this is a very specific subset of that, which is you know, like obviously harkens back to Agatha Christie, um, and it has that sort of uh, you know the the renowned detective being able to you know to figure this out. You know, Sherlock Holmes is obviously um, uh, precedent to all of this as well yeah um and it's it is a genre that was highly prolific throughout the 70s and 80s you know like there were tv you know like murder she wrote was like a staple oh, of my murder she wrote uh columbo was the other one you know, i love that stuff you know like i love the idea of like the gumshoe detective yeah figuring it all out and it's a and it's a you know incredibly elaborate plot yep. but it's not something that we do see a lot of right now um and so it was exciting to sit down and i i you know like getting into first thoughts of it i'd love to hear your thoughts I was just so entertained by this movie. Sure. I was like, this movie put on a show for me, and I was there for every second of it. Like, it felt really nice. It mm. felt like, and and not not that it's um even trying to do this or wants to be in the same sort of category as, but one of my favorites in these in this genre is, of course, Clue. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which and, ending did you get? Uh, oh, f- I mean, I don't remember forever ago. No, but remember the whole thing. With yeah, there's three the, three different endings. Yeah, three right? di- and they would play different endings every night. Yeah, and I think the blue the no, it wasn't on Blu-ray. That I saw it. Mm. I saw it on DVD. Eventually, mm. the Blu-ray had it where you could just I think it played a random one. Right. At, at at the theater, they used to they would change out the last reel yeah. every night. Which yeah. I thought was just, which is super fun. Yeah. Um. But this movie, I I really dug, like the. It hit all my favorite staples of of this genre. It takes place in a specific spot. I'll like murder on the Orient Express, even though like that's a train, but it's a, an enclosed area with all these desperate characters right. that are tied together by either why they're there or who they are. And then uh, you know you have the the outlier detective who happens to be there for mysterious reasons. And then uh, at the end, you got to bring them all in the room. And, and discuss how you figured out what's what and go through everything. And it's just, it's it's such an indulgent micro genre. It's, you know, you know where I think the seed of this was planted for me as a child and maybe for a lot of people where this way it might have come from. And I don't know if this is the case uh. for you. Where in the world is Common San Diego? Um, <laughs> like the seed of like, in the, I call it the manila folder version of storytelling, which is like you collect the evidence. It's, it's where the reader or the, the viewer gets engaged into the plot itself. Like my favorite thing with Agatha Christie and Columbo, even Scooby-Doo to an extent is like, is like getting engaged and trying to figure it out. You know, like with the movie, you're actually sort of actively participating in it. And, and for me that like, you know, that started with video, that started a lot with video games. It's like, you know, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Um, uh, the seventh guest, you know, those kinds of games. Yeah. Seventh guest, 11th hour. 11th hour. Yeah. Missed those kinds of things where you actually have to actively 
you like get involved. And I think, you know, maybe for the previous generation, it was like the, the Agatha Christie novel. Yeah. You know, like where you're like, well, I wonder who did do it. So Carmen San Diego, I go back to the game show. That's what my sort of tie with it is. So I have a bit of a. a I, I played the game, like Chris the actual Cross. game. I had wear in time as Carmen San Diego mm. on the NES, and it came with an encyclopedia. Oh, wow. It was in a, a big fat box, mm. and it was so. Like the concept, I'd love to find an emulator of it right now. The concept is so great. Like you have to like research to find where yeah. in time or whatever with clues and stuff. But entering word answers on an NES gamepad <laughs> was the most pain. I was just like, I just wanted a keyboard so bad. Anyway, so I played it on the Apple IIe. Oh, so nice. Like, yeah, we're sa- we're we're definitely stating how old we are right now. <laughs> um, but but other than that, I mean, just like the, I was I was completely entertained by this film. I was taken by the freshness of it all, despite being a throwback to a genre that, you know, like I potentially grew up with, but maybe for for uh, for newer generations have not seen a film like this in on the big screen. And and even the 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 you know the thing that you mentioned before, the cast, you know, this all-star cast. You know, like when uh, Murder She wrote um, not Murder She wrote when Murder on the Orient Express came out, it was that sort of like who's playing Hercule Poirot this time, yeah. you know, like as Albert Finney's playing Poirot. Uh, Peter Ustinov used to play him and they'd have this sort of all saga. I you know Kenneth Branagh remade it a few years ago and he had Johnny Depp and and, and him and, and himself <laughs> in the film as as Poirot. But it for some reason it didn't there was something I mean that was a direct remake not a new iteration yeah. of it. And so I think that and it was di- fine. It it is fine. Daisy Ridley's in it as yep, well. Yep. Um it, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um but 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 you know it's not memorable. No. And I think it's not memorable because of one thing that this film does that that is really fascinating, which is it takes this kind of uh, genre trope, this murder mystery, this whodunit, yep. and places it within the context of Trump's America. And and I think, you know, we talked uh, uh, a little bit about uh, what does cinema look under uh, uh, under this prison? Yeah. You know, like, what is, what is the language of cinema under this prison? What are the sort of vernacular that comes up that gets reiterated that is a common thread, a common theme? Um, and this film really plays to that idea that, that this is uh, a murder mystery in Trump's America. And what does that mean? It means I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, Get Out is obviously the example. Um <laughs> So uh, I think, it, you know, like the fact that it, you know, like that's something that Murder, She Wrote. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Wait, we have what? Murder on the Orient Express, the remake, the Kenneth Branagh uh, version just doesn't, you know, like it doesn't uh, invite that kind of conversation because no. it's a complete throwback to. Um, it takes place at the same time I think the old movie did as well. Yeah, like, the Sidney Lumet which, version. Yeah. yeah. So it's it sort of just has that throwback quality, whereas this is kind of taking that and updating it into well, something new. It's updating the placement of the story, which yeah. I think is great and poignant and has a lot to do with the actual plot points of the movie. But it's also without getting this is like um, I know this this is like saying a, a movie has a twist that is made to have twists is not a spoiler so I won't even give it the tag but like it does do interesting things with the genre and the tropes that we are presented normally in these can I just do one thing by the way yeah and this is like the dumbest thing but uh, I accidentally hit the Siri button while you were talking uh-huh. and basically your entire paragraph that you just said has come up on my laptop okay I'm, I'm really curious what Siri says about it what, just, <laughs> so what it, it, you're gonna read what Siri thinks that I said I don't have an answer for that is there something else I can help with yeah um <laughs> let me see cats sooner I don't know how to respond to that <laughs> both Zoe and Siri uh responded to that question with uh I don't know anyway that was that was the, that was the dumbest bit just like the dumbest car chase this was the dumbest bit <laughs> oh well um 
No, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It 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 brings it, it brings the context of this film into something interesting. I will say that is also uh, while I I love the film and I think it's great and I'm 100 percent uh, 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 willing to recommend it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually my only minor criticism is that its usage of the Trumpian kind of language at times felt a little on the nose. I mean, sure, but it also, I mean, straight up, when it was when it was those on those nose on the nose times, it was played for comedy. Yeah, uh, it the the things that it has to do in the plot, I think, is done very nicely and subtly and 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 appropriately for the nightmare fuel terror times that we are currently sort of living through. Yeah. Um, the but but to the point of just sort of feeling fresh, you, you combine those two things, right? You combine like a timely. Uh, you know, uh, placement and uh, commentary on our current day with the murder mystery and the ability to actually turn even the murder mystery, like, I won't even say on its head, but let's say, like, you know, a nice 90-degree angle yeah. on its side. Yeah. Um, it, it was a really, really, really fun time. Uh, I think that what I really liked about it is oftentimes, uh, because we see a lot of films, <laughs> uh, we can kind of you know, guesstimate our way to the end. Right. And what this movie does, and I guess now will be a point we'll get into starting sort of minor spoilers. We won't, like, give away the ending or whatever, but, like... Yeah, okay. uh, Yet. (laughs) Uh, Yet. Just wait for it. Um, But it does something very interesting where we find out exactly how the person dies. Yeah. And who did it. Yep. But they both knew about it and were... Like weirdly, like okay with it, and like just trying to figure out, like, w- like basically, a medicine gets switched, and they they realize that it was someone else who did it. Yeah. A- after one character administered the medicine to another, and then the the person who was going to die, the elder gentleman, um, Harlan Thrombey, Harlan Thrombey, uh, who is a murder, who is a no- murder mystery novelist, mm-hmm. uh, decides to take his own life by slitting his own throat, but not before giving Marta, uh, the the sort of like perfect alibi. Yeah. And then, so then you're going through this entire thing with the detective working around the family and you're introducing them and all, but like after, you know, by the like the half hour mark, you know all this information. Yeah. So it's, who's going to figure out what happened first and if the detective only figures out that, you know, that Marta was there, Marta's going to get the blame for it. But so like, there's this whole like side, you know, worry on top of worry. Yeah. And, and I, I did not have a solid like, oh, I know what's going on. Right. Which right. is which is lovely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think what what the film effectively does in terms of subverting our expectations is that it starts out as a whodunit. Yes. Like what happened to Harlan Thrombey? You know, who's involved? We don't know that Marta is involved in any way uh, up until the midway point. But then in the midway point, it does reveal that Marta is involved uh, and is is a you know knowing accomplice. And then it turns into kind of like a, the Hitchcockian. Yeah. In a wrong man kind of uh, game, you know, where it's like where you, where the audience suddenly has to side with Marta not being caught because Marta is our cipher. She is also the nicest person in the in in the world of the film. So we kind of we switch our allegiances where we want her to kind of not get caught. And we essentially what we what the film is kind of asking us to do is to kind of engage in the idea that this mystery won't be solved by the characters involved, or if we if it is going to be solved by the characters involved, it won't be solved on the sort of um, classic. Um, 
the the murder gets caught kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then and then it introduces kind of like a third element to this where there's a uh, an unseen player who is kind of potentially pulling the strings. The person who has hired Benoit Blanc. I love these names. Yeah. Benoit Blanc. Um, uh, you know, uh, with a with a wad of cash. Now, the plot does get convoluted um, in this sort yeah, of... It's rid- supposed to. In this ridiculous way. You know, but 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 so is Chinatown. Um, yeah, and, let's, and, and, let's be real. But, you know, it, this gets convoluted in a way where, like, people make the most amazing plans within an instant. It's totally fine because the the vernacular of this film is, uh, you know, in a way, the film understands that it's a murder mystery and leans into the idea that it is a murder mystery. I mean, the set alone of the of the Thromby household yeah. is is literally the what you'd imagine a uh, mansion of a murder mystery writer would look like. Uh, Lakeith Sanfield says the house looks like it's a clue piece. You know, yeah, like it's like a, like it's a Cluedo. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and 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 it does. It's 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 really because this is this comes down to this idea. Of, I mean, for me, it comes down to this notion that that Ryan Johnson. Like is first and foremost a writer, mm-hmm. you know, like a, and a beautiful visual stylist, and and he's he seems to be the the thing that I think I missed in the Last Jedi uh, that I have that I got excited about by the previous three films, and I get excited by by this is that where he's able to kind of create his en- entirely this entire world that he has complete control over, and he can kind of like flip the levers uh, exactly where he needs to. He's not like. Picking, you know, picking up somebody else's piece and having to run with it, or yeah. you know, having to fit into it. And I think there's just that, that, that sense of the the thing that got me excited about Ryan Johnson, the filmmaker, that that, that feels so good here. Um, I want to bring up a quote from Dana Stevens, and I, and I think this this quote um, is a little bit. Um, uh, it it is how I felt. I think it's a little bit stronger than I would have articulated it. But it, I think I, I think these are kind of tantamount to what I is had. Is it about the Last Jedi, or this it, is about well, the, it, Knives Out? Here, here's knives da, out. this is Dennis Dennis uh, Stevens from Slate. Knives Out makes me wish uh, Johnson hadn't committed himself to directing three new Star Wars movies. And I think that's something I said because at the time he had he had committed to doing a new trilogy in the Star Wars universe, which at this yeah. stage we don't know what's going to happen with because Knives Out is very successful. Um, um, uh, Stevens continues uh, uh, regarding the Star Wars movies, a project whose future now seems to be in a state of suspension. It's not that Johnson wouldn't find interesting new places to take the franchise, but for a 45-year-old director so clearly at the top of his game, the time sunk into making three gazillion-dollar blockbusters in a row seems like a real opportunity cost. I want to see a Ryan Johnson musical, a Ryan Johnson western, a Ryan Johnson romantic melodrama. Can we sign him up for that trilogy instead? Um, and I, you know, I think the, the, he. <laughs> He clearly plays well in genres, which is why I can see why Star Wars hired him. I can see why Breaking Bad hired him to direct episodes. Um, but but the thing that's great is Looper and the Brothers Bloom and Brick. And sure, this. but listen, you know, th- listen. those are like those don't come from anywhere else. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon taught me this in Jane Silent Bob, uh, <laughs> the Jane Silent Bob movie. One and for the uh, it, one you, for the you studio. Do, you do one for the studio, then the one for the art picture. That's Ooh. where you got you know Lion Face, ah Lemon Face. Mm. So you I, look, I, I totally get what she's saying in that yeah. quote. Like yeah. it, like in a <laughs> in a perfect world, that would be how it would sort of go. Now there's two. There's 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 a side to it as well. Yeah. A lot of people really liked. Well, you know, it's divisive or whatever. But like, I think last the Last Jedi is a worthwhile film for him to do. Of course. And now the 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 fact that you're sort of locked in and it's going to take you roughly like eight to nine years of a thing at this point. Um, 
Yeah, I guess that's, but that that's like the the best possible problem to have. I guess my point is, and and this is being optimistic and idealistic, and in, in sort of probably the in the most naive way, but uh, I don't want Ryan Johnson to play in George Lucas's world. I want Ryan Johnson to be a new George Lucas. You know, like I want him to create something that's like entirely his. That that you know, because because the thing I think is interesting is that he's so good at creating worlds that are entirely his own. I think I like both. Like right. I think I want I want it all. <laughs> like I I want to see, and I, I did. You want to see what Ryan Johnson can do with other people's stuff because he's so he good with his well. own stuff. Yeah. He did. So like I I want I want both. And 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 you know, like Taika Waititi is another person who who. who the things that Taika Waititi can do now because he's done Thor Ragnarok is a different ball game before that. And the things Ryan Johnson can do now because he did The Last Jedi is I, a different ball I game. I think we have to start turning that frown upside down. This whole like, oh man, that's going to really like, I'd love for them to be rather doing this stuff. Well, now we're going to get to see the real brainchilds of their work after they direct these billion dollar films because because now they'll have that clout. Now they'll now other people will see dollar signs where we all saw talent. Like there's there's a right. th- there's a there's a, a, a distinctive advantage to it in our current system. It's it, I think the 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 phrase that uh, Danny Stevens used that I think I I sort of really latch onto is the opportunity cost for three Star Wars movies. George Miller's making fucking Mad Max. I we how got many time. people? You know, I mean, yeah, but how many people are making Mad Max at seventy eight? Whatever George Miller is, I, I'm just saying. Like I would, you know. That 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 what excites me about Ryan Johnson is the is the his capacity to generate original material that is uniquely his that nobody else can make. If time was the only resource resource we were talking about, I would agree with that quote. But yeah. I but it's not. You don't think? Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Um, the the second the 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 deeper thing that I want to kind of get into here is this conversation, uh, and and this is just because I've been talking to um, a couple of people who are entrepreneurs and who are uh, taking to heart this conversation that's happening in our country right now, and I think is being reflected in cinema, and the one thing that you know I was sort of thinking about when I looked at the collective films that we'd um, reviewed in the last year, is that we are in a real kind of, the precipice, either we're in it or we're in the precipice of a real eat the rich kind of moment. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Keanu songs, but okay, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, like there are films that we've reviewed this year that are very much, uh, you know, like in that mode. Parasite, you know, this this yep. would pair very nicely as a double feature with Parasite, um, uh, Ready or Not, uh, Joker to an extent, uh, Hustlers, Burning, uh, and American Factory. These are films that kind of really are pointing to this question of inequality um, in yeah. this country, and, and and we are seeing that reflected more and more. Even just as a shorthand, I think, in, you know, I think my, my it, it's a minor qualm, but I think the film does commit to this idea by the end of it, is that for, for a p- time period in Knives Out, it feels like it's just using that as sort of a set dressing, but the ending of the film really solidifies that's what the film is actually yeah. really about. Yeah. Um, whereas Parasite, I think, used that idea as fundamentally the the backbone of what that film was really about, was this sort of sense of the 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 distinction between the the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know, ready or not, I think, you know, is also that that sort of, that sense of uh, what, because uh, because I, I don't even think it's 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 being rich. Uh, I think being rich is one thing, but to have affluence in a way that essentially um, 
sets you apart from the everyday. When you can no longer relate to, and granted, in every socioeconomic bracket, you will have trouble relating to those above and, and, below. and below you. Yeah. But like when you become so far like a, uh, basically like an alien and you don't yeah. understand, when you don't know what a gallon of milk costs. I mean, how much could a banana really cost? Right, like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's the that's the moment where I think people really start being like, "What the fuck?" But the thing that this film is really talking about, and I think, I think the 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 sort of proposition that Harlan Thrombey's scheme, you know, although kind of like again concocted in the last second, but something he's kind of clearly been thinking about for a while. And he's also a, a mystery writer, so I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, and again, I, I no problems with it. Is the idea that generational wealth is harmful? Yes. This idea, you know, and I think, you know, like, again, this is something that's in the ether right now as we get into the elections. But the idea that that uh, people not having to earn their, you know, like the, the, the sort of the great hypocrisy of this of this film is every character professes to be self-made. But then we reveal slowly that that idea of them being self-made is really kind of just made up. Even yeah. the ones that like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, like you think might be the only one that is. And then like there's a line near the end where you're like, oh, shit. Now yeah, you yeah, heard you. She got a million dollar loan to, yeah. to begin with. You know? Oh. Oh, if only there was someone else who might have gotten yeah. something. And, you know, and Don that. Johnson's character, I, the the quote that I brought up from the beginning was the you know like why do men feel the need to um, to pick at the lining of their parachute? Yeah. You know, like they they have so much yet they are unwilling to kind of uh, you know like engage with it in a way. And I and I I think this is uh, certainly reflected in the films we're seeing this year in the conversation that's going around us uh, you know right now as we lead into the election i don't know do do you, how do you think this film kind of deals with that or what do you think cuz to me the thing that's interesting is that this film has a sort of underlying anger about the world that it is as it exists right now well sure i mean look i i think this movie Harkens back to something that I've actually mentioned before, I think probably in the podcast, where I think that when you get to this level of wealth, yeah. it becomes, if not you, then sort of your children or, or whoever, if if, if the, the structure is not there to support sort of the, the healthy mental upbringing, wealth in itself becomes a mental illness. Hmm. Wealth becomes a mental illness. Because you are... you. When when you get to be a you know a, and this is I'm globalizing of course but the you know a billionaire become then you become in like the billionaires game yeah and then it's all just beating other billionaires and all you're trying to do really at that point because you're not you're not doing this for your family because they're all taken care of you're not doing this for this other thing you're not you know you you have enough money for generations but till the sun burns out yeah you're doing it to get the higher number and it's a sort of side bracket of greed. And I think it actually is. It when it gets to that point, it's an addiction. It's a mental illness. Yeah. Um. And Zoe apparently agrees very vocally. I don't know if everyone could hear my cat in the background. So what this movie does is is interesting because uh, you know Harlan decides he's like he kind of sees it as this. He's watched he's watched his money, which he wanted to be something comforting and help his you know help people in his family that he loved grow into more things just for the most part kind of tear them down and also uh make them worse people for it and he kind of at the at the, at the beginning of the film well you don't find this at the beginning of the film but like these are things that are revealed now we'll get into heavier spoilers on uh, you know for knives out 
it, he re- he slowly reveals that people are having thoughts about this might be happening. That he's actually going to cut out his entire family because he actually thinks it's for the best for them at this point because they've just kept like coming back to the well and like mm. it's they're not becoming better people. Yeah. And the only person who's been good and kind to him is Marta, his caretaker. Um. So in this, when he dies, and this, and Marta doesn't even know this after the whole like accidental suicide, not suicide, murder, not yeah. murder situation. Uh, he leaves everything to Marta. Yeah. And of course, the family flips their flips their shit. Even the liberal among them who have been like, Marta, you're part of our family. You know, like we 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 love you. You're part of. You're one of us. Even those people suddenly, like when when the idea comes to when the the realization dawns on them that this person is now in charge of their future, um, their tune suddenly changes about how inclusive they're willing to be in yeah. this family. You know, like like the threat uh, that hangs over Marta at this, you know, for the remainder of the film is that her mother will be deported because she's an illegal immigrant. So there's an amazing part yeah. in this movie, and after you know, you're sort of in the middle of the of the film, and and she's super worried about this, and she's working with uh, the detective to try to really Benoit. Uh, yeah, Benoit, uh, just <laughs> just Daniel Craig crooning in a southern accent. Um, you know what he reminded me of? What the chicken from Futurama. I'm uh, just I'm just a humble lawyer. <laughs> which is which is a uh, foghorn leghorn yeah. like ripoff. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh or or homage. An homage to. Um but but there's a part when I believe it might be not Michael Shannon's character. Yeah. Oh, it was Michael yeah, Shannon's Michael character. Shannon. Shows up in her house. In the hallway. Yeah, in the hallway. And he's like, Listen, Marta, all you gotta do is give the money back and like listen, we you're part of the family. We'll protect you. We'll protect your mom. In fact, we're you know, with these resources, <laughs> that's the only way you can protect your mom. And then Marta's like, Well, I have those resources, so, so I can protect my mom. So what are you? Yeah. What are you doing? And that moment of like not being able to use the money as a savior thing for for Michael Shannon's character for Walt. Yeah. No, yeah, is it Walt? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is just such a nice like cap on that thought. And he's also he's been kind of the most liberal person, you know, like in the conversations yeah. about Trump and kids in cages and kind of thing. He's the one who's like, oh, we, you know. I can't believe you know because Don Johnson's character is the guy who's sort of like he's 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 tr- he's towing the sort of like well you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of line you know like you can't break the law kind of thing yeah. um, but you know Walt is the one who's kind of like saying uh, we should be we should be um, looking after everybody and that kind of thing uh, as soon as as soon as that thing as soon as he realizes that Marta is now the the power broker in the scenario yeah he kind of changes tune and I and I, I what I love is that sequence in the hallway and how beautifully it stays. Age that sequence is where you really, you know, Michael Shannon chews up this film. And he shrinks back to, like, he becomes menacing. And then when that line sort of happens, he kind of shrinks back. It's, it's very interesting. It's, it's really great. Um, I want to, like, I think the way I would think about it is that um, to me, you know, again, I think this is a perfect pairing with Parasite. Um, Parasite, to me, provided the emotional argument for inequality, you know, in a way, because it was actually really talking about how does this yeah. affect people? How does this, like, how is this going to play out psychologically over time? Whereas I think that what this film does um, is set out the economic argument, you know, like basically what does generational wealth do to people over time and how does it shape your worldview? And it does it, it does it with where Parasite, I think, actually mm. fully develops characters yeah. like throughout. I think that this film does use shorthands of tropes with different characters. Yeah, I mean, it, Chris Evans' uh, uh, ransom, ransom. <laughs> uh, is like the jackass, like uh, youngest son or whatever, yeah. uh, uh, grandson of, of Thromby. Uh, you know, uh, then there's the the self-made woman in Jamie Lee Curtis. Then there's the the, the, flom, the, the flom, the flom, which is the gloop, goop, basically yeah. the goop. Yeah, yeah. Um, the stand-in for. Um, 
for what's her name, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're all sort of shorthand characters here, which yeah. is effective for what he's doing. It, it, it's effective because I, I think he's good. He. You know, again, it's something we saw in Brick, which was this sort of throwback noir film set in modern high school times. You know, it's something that was good in Brothers Bloom, which is the sort of con man film, you know, the elegant traveling con man film, but, you know, brought into modernity. It's something that actually really worked in Looper, which is the science fiction film, you know, but like, again, brought into modernity. He's very good at this. But, you know, like his characters, unlike, you know, in Parasite, his characters are archetype. Benoit Blanc doesn't exist in real life. Benoit Blanc is only a movie character. And he's, but he's such a, I think the thing that I really love there is that Johnson revels in the sort of moviness of it all. You know, like they they they, they chew dial. You know, like it's a delight Very to hear, so. hear them speak to each other. Um, I wanted to bring up really quickly. Uh, you know, like the the economic relevance of this of this uh, of this film is sort of you know interesting, timely. But it, you know, there's a button to the to the point. It we we kind of. There's not much else to explore from this other than that final shot, which I think is so powerfully evocative in terms of like <laughs> where the power, you know, basically Marta ends up sit- standing on the balcony of the house, looking down upon the family who once occupied it. And she is now, you know, sipping the cup, which is my house, my rules, my coffee. And so that which was set up at the very beginning was one of the first shots I think she might have been bringing to. No, to it was the other, the, oh, the other maid. Nurse. Yeah, the other nurse that was bringing it. But but it, it, it made me think there's a book. That every liberal person who believes in you know who believes in the idea that income inequality uh, is a problem should you know probably either says we've read or you know wants to have read it at some point. And it's seven hundred pages, and I admit I have not read it. I've read <laughs> excerpts from it, but it's uh, Thomas Piketty's book Capital in the t- in the twenty first century, and uh, this is an article uh, uh, highlighting some of the, the things. So Piketty, Thomas Piketty is an economist who basically he was I think he was the first economist, and I believe he won either a Pulitzer or, or a major award for this for this work. Okay, is that is that he actually provided hard data for what income inequality actually means? Like it was a, it was sort of a concept uh, that people believed in, but he was one of the first econ- uh, uh, economists who kind of underlined that this is a real thing and we should know it. He's putting his money or lack thereof where his mouth is. Yeah, and he d- he did actually did the data studies and pick and, and I'm reading here from an NPR article uh, uh, or sorry Guardian uh, summary of the book. Uh, Piketty's argument is that in an economy with a rate of return of, on capital outstrips the rate of growth, inherited wealth will always grow faster than earned wealth. And there you have exactly the two, the, the dynamic of the two people in the, the two groups of people in this film, yeah. which is the inherited wealth and Marta, the earned, uh, the earned wealth. Um, so the fact that rich kids can swan aimlessly from gap year to internship to a job at Father's Bank Ministry TV network while, poor, while the poor kids sweat in their barista uniforms is not an accident. It is the system working normally. If you get slow growth alongside bit of financial returns, then inherited wealth will, on average, dominate wealth amassed from a lifetime's labor yeah. by a wide margin. Um, and and I think the, the, the sort of underpinning of this film is an anger and frustration about that. And I think Trump is just the system, is just the symptom of, of that inequality playing out. I mean, sure. Uh, we've name-dropped the T-Dog <laughs> quite a bit, yeah. but like, it's funny because he has now become the public face of it mm. where the actual sick like it's it's so funny i'm gonna call he, the president of the united states not successful mm. but the, 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 the successful people who have been playing this game mm. before they were president mm. uh 
are the people we don't hear about. Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like uh, the Thrombley family is not a family we would have really heard no, too and, much you about. Know, I'm talking like Coke level yeah, like folks, like like the uh, Coke folks. Yeah, the Bezos or the uh, well, Be- or the, Bezos uh, is interesting because he's so public. But yeah. like, there's billionaires that we don't know their names. Yeah, like, of course, yeah. Anyway, yes, there is an anger to this film about that, but I, uh, it does a really good job at being. Even with the sort of like the tropes sort of ham fisted every once in a while, it does a really good job balancing that with just a f- really fun time. Yeah, like you're gonna get your medicine, but you're not gonna realize you got it until later. Yeah. Like if if you're not looking for it, like there there it it does such a nice job. Whereas for instance, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of something that's more like uh, maybe not even heavy handed, but I, just I doesn't. Think, I balance think Rid- well. Rid- Ridio Not is using it uh, as as a backdrop. For a fun, you know, a fun action adventure, you know, like horror adventure film. Yeah. Um, Parasite is clearly it is embedded in that world, but I think Ready or Not is kind of more on the on the well, side. Ready or Not is a bit more funny and horrorish. Yeah, but it, but it, it's certainly in the ether of Ready or Not. You know, like this idea that this family is so out of touch with the with reality, and yes. and and their their primary concern is maintaining their wealth. Yes. You know, and and I think I I I, I think though. What Johnson is good at here is he does want to, in a way, weaponize genre. He wants to weaponize the idea that he is making a murder mystery and turn it into something that has a point. And, that, and, and you know, if, if it wasn't for that final shot, I would have just said it was window dressing. But that final shot, you know, the final two shots or the final setup of the final shot is really saying... This is the you know, the world will invert in some way, and what is going to happen uh, when we when it does? You know, like where are we going to land on uh, on the other side of this? And I think and I think that's really good good use of the genre, and I think it's really effective writing on his part. Well, that's just really good use of genre in general. It does, I mean, it doesn't even have to be this one. Like, whenever a film can do that, yeah. that it's successfully done, it's it's funny. This film has like sort of multiple story plates that it's balancing, which is impressive in its own right. You have the will Marta get caught? You know, if so, you know, will she get out of it? And then if that, you know, it will uh, Blanc figure it out before Marta and therefore like, you know, lose, have Marta be blamed or like whatever the heck. And then figuring out the real killer. Like there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. On top of that, or really underneath it, is all of the stuff you're describing. The stuff, the the anger towards the the, the, eat the rich sort of scenario of yeah. everything. And then from the very beginning setup, which you don't quite understand, you know, like, that's a cute little mug, like, ha, ha, ha. And then at the end, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it, this movie is doing a lot of things. <laughs> and oftentimes when a film does a, a, too much, like, a lot of things and uh, one or two kind of slips through or like whatever, I can't think of something that like... Even though the plot was so convoluted, and I actually have written my notes, like I was kind of sad. We saw this about a week ago. Yeah. And we just didn't have time to record it. Yeah, I know. And like, I wish I had, like, I was, when I was writing out my notes, I was like, I'm trying to remember the beats of everything. Like, I remember I liked everything, but it was so convoluted. And then, like, when the medicine bottles get switched, and then, like, but they're not switched, and there's yeah, different labels. Switched. And then there's, like, the other thing, and then the, the autopsy place burns down. But then, when did that happen? And it's like, there's, there's a lot of, like, I was trying to piece together the 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 minutia of it, especially the last scene where they're like going over the entire thing. But but then I sort of did realize, to your point, Shahir, that that's not I, while that's all enjoyable. Yeah, it's delightful. Remembering that's not the point. No. Uh, and then that makes it even more okay that it is sort of just like super convoluted. Can I tell you the things that like so to that point? I think you know if there's criticism of this film is that it doesn't you know unlike. 
Parasite, and you know, this is not uh, a sort of apples and oranges kind of scenario, but unlike Parasite, I wasn't emotionally invested in many of the characters' journeys. You know, I like, was just emotionally invested in Marta's. Yeah, you know, uh, the things that really, you know, and now that I've had a week to kind of sit with it, mm -hmm. the things that really resonated with me are uh, the f is it really two lines? <laughs> um, the first one, the, the 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 thing that I really kind of latched onto, and I thought was just a, it was a more elegant example of the. Uh, the dinner table sequence, or the, the the sort of dessert sequence, where they're kind of talking about where they're debating sure. Trump, which I thought was just a little, you know, a little on the nose, a little on the nose. Not I mean, not, not not, you know, that like was such an aside, like yeah. of walking through a room and hearing it, like it was. Well, just no, the, the film stops because they drag Marta into it, yeah. uh, and it, it, there's a nice touch in there where you know, like she's describing how they've always treated me like family, and Don Johnson's character is like, come, come, come over. Then we cut back to that scene later, and we realize why he's bringing her into that scene because he wants to have an immigrant's opinion. Um, but the 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 thing that I thought was really elegant was the fact that nobody could remember which country she came from. Every yeah. character would say, you're from Ecuador. You know, like uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Laurie Strode, yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. character, you know, saying, oh, she's been with us for so long. You know, her family's from Ecuador. And she says it with such confidence. There's and, all, yeah. and everyone says something different. And, no, and we realize nobody really knows. And there's also, the, there's multiple times when characters are like, oh, I'm so sorry you, <laughs> you couldn't go to the funeral. I, I was I, outvoted. I was outvoted. Everyone <laughs> says they were outvoted because they wanted her to be at the funeral, but <laughs> she wasn't invited to the funeral. Yeah. So I like that. That's the thing that really resonated. The the thing with the, the sort of morphine bottle switch and how Ransom actually got involved. It, it's it's very murder mystery movie kind of thing because it all happens in one night, kind of you know whatever. Um, but then the the second thing that really got to me it was the line that really like resonated for me is that when I I, I believe it's uh, Don Johnson's character. Um, uh, what is his name? His name is Richard. Uh, says something along the lines like this: "This house has been in this family for generations." And I think Benoit says, "Are you kidding me? This ha you bought it from a Pakistani developer in the eighties. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I was like, th like that was like I." I think that's really elegant kind of like one-liners that really, to me, they get to the point much stronger. The the, the sort of, there was a, a sort of a tragedy to the film that I, I wish I could have been invested more in was the idea that Harlan didn't actually, like he wasn't going to die that night. Like he took his, you know, he, he had this plan all along, but he, you know, like he, the morphine was switched and then it was switched back because Marta happens to be so good at picking what morphine yeah. is. And so she hadn't actually poisoned him. And so he wasn't fading and he wasn't going to die. You know, I, 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 I wonder if that, should have been more emotionally resonant. This idea that that he wasn't actually going to die, but but we didn't know. we didn't have enough time with Harlan to really like. Harlan was a means to an end. Like he wasn't an unlikable character, but there's no pathos for his death. Like you you care about Marta. Yeah, you care about Marta. And, you know, like in, in in Murder on the Orient Express, when the uh, I forget the guy whose name who dies, but we realize all every character has a vendetta against them that look like yeah. illegitimate vendetta against them. Uh, spoilers for Murder on the Orient oh, Express. Oh no! Uh, uh, you know we forgot to do it. I just have to do it out of obli blind obligation. <laughs> Now is the IMDb description of this film, which is not going to shed any light on anything, so I apologize for these 10 seconds I'm wasting of your lives. A detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. Uh, very true. And yeah. 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 Uh, I think th this was a film also to, um, in, in a world of, of sequels and spinoffs and things, and things that I am a fan of. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I also mm. need the other half of my diet, and this was an original 
concept written thing that is not a comic book it's not a novel it's not something where you'd know the ending based on another thing and you're wondering if they switched it or not like it's just for it was just a really nice time at the movies where i was like i'm going to see this thing i it's from a pedigree of people that i know i like it's something that i cannot possibly know where it's actually going to go it kept me on my toes it dealt with social issues uh, and it had a really clever vomiting uh, <laughs> uh, sort of uh, mechanic. Marta can't lie, and she gets an upset stomach and vomits every time she lies. And I was thinking about that, too. I was like, in a lesser film by a lesser director, that would annoy the fuck out of me. Really? But in this movie, I'm like, no. like yeah, that, It's like it's another a, fun puzzle piece because mo- there's so many fun puzzle pieces. It's a movie movie. You know, like it's yeah. a movie movie. Movie movie. movie. It's a movie movie. Movie movie movies. That, that's what we should just call it from now on. The only I podcast mean, about movies. The only podcast about movies. Um, the hypocrisy of me is like, I would, I, I, I would front up to see another Benoit Blanc mystery. Like I would, sure, I would, I would, front, I would front up to see another yeah. one of those. Um, I think I want to go out with a couple of emails uh, um, from listeners to, that we have to, to sort of ask us questions about. Yes, this we role. wanted to hold them because they would have been spoiler tastic. Even though we just went out and spoiled we, this thing. We said spoilers. <laughs> we moved it through. Uh, I want to read out this first uh, review from uh, Litterbox from Jonathan Blade, uh, who who sent this to us. And Blade, uh, happy to hear from you, the Blade. Uh, sometimes. You're the odd man out, and Blaze speaking of himself here. Solid performances, attractive presentation, quirky aesthetic, boring. It lays Whoa! out. It lays out all of its cards on the table, all of its cards on the table, face up, and then shuffles and cuts them still face up. I wanted to love it. Um, I think you know. Look, I think the mystery. To be fair, the mystery. A becomes a little exhausting and isn't, you know, the resolve of it isn't that interesting. But but to me, the mystery is the window dressing. The 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 heart of it is the social commentary. Again, well I I will say that again, I go to the I couldn't keep track of the pieces a week later. It's not about the pieces. Mm. Like, honestly, it was whether or not Marta was going to get away with something. Like, is Marta, because we know Marta is innocent unless it twisted again which well, it, i would have i would have been, I, I, have been in for that i know right yeah, yeah. so so but let's go with the 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 that's a, a bar so yeah. marta is innocent what's going to happen to marta that's what got me that's yeah. where the mystery hit is she going to have to give back the money just to save herself is she going to get caught and go down for this thing is it going to almost be revealed what exactly happened but then someone from the family is going to come back and do something else like there's a lot of like what ifs what ifs what ifs with marta and i found myself worried and intrigued about that and so every time a new piece of this puzzle came i always focused back i'm like but what about marta yeah and that is why uh i think it worked for me on a character and sort of a personal level along with all of the sub textual levels and along with just all of the window dressing levels uh the blade i I, i'm sorry it didn't it didn't do it like that i i I, i'm trying to sort of see the the that forest through the trees from something uh i i just i i I do not agree but engaged in the mystery it can be it can be overly uh, convoluted, and if you're not invested in, it, but but I agree. That sounds I'm, like almost like someone. And again, uh, the blade. Please write us in only when we podcast at gmail.com again to we can talk about this more. Um, but it almost seems like some something where someone is too invested in the mystery, hmm. like where that's the that's the that's the forest of the trees sort of hmm. scenario. That and again, I, I, there's films, uh, different folks, no question, and. Hmm. Uh, 
Jonathan the Blade, uh, longtime friend of the show, whose opinion I respect entirely. I read tweets every day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry this one didn't hit for you. Here's, an, uh, here's another one from uh, Baby Drid, uh, who writes in my one, uh, and I've abbreviated this email. My one complaint is that Marta starts to get, uh, is that once Marta starts to get the mysterious leaders, it seems almost too obvious who the villain is supposed to be. The movie does a good job at introducing characters, motivations, and even their whereabouts during the inc- uh, inciting incidents, but it doesn't do a great job of getting the audience involved in solving the secondary mystery of who is responsible for threatening to expose Marta. Uh, having written that out, it makes me start questioning if this counts as a whodunit type of movie when we pretty much know the answer to the big mystery. The movie seems more interested in the trope uh, and exposing the Thrombley family instead of the mystery. What do you think? I think, uh, well, do you want to respond to that? I mean, I will say, if there's moments of this film that do fall flat for me, it's any time we're out of the house. Right. Like, I, uh, you know, in town, doing the thing, the old laundromat, yeah. like, I'm like... Like, I was always like, get me back to the house. Right. Like, that's where this is happening. And right. I know that, like, they, you know, you have to do that a little bit. But, like, um, uh, I think the mystery itself, uh, I just wasn't, I, I didn't care that, like, that part was sort of the simple part. I don't know. What, are, do you feel, I feel like I've kind of already said it I a think I think this is kind of in the similar question but in, in a sort of it's the same thing that the blade was saying but maybe in a, in a positive end as opposed to a negative end which is that is that the the mechanics of the mystery seemed obvious to um baby dread and and i and i want to disagree. for me personally like i i was like oh is C- captain america the villain in this this actually did remind me of some uh, of a film we reviewed um Last year with the other uh, Chris the Hemsworth, um, uh, what was the uh, what was the movie we did with Chris Hemsworth? You you bought it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going what? Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, I'm going blank. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm going blank on this. Um, oh, uh, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, bad Times at the El Royale, where I was like, man, I really wish Chris Hemsworth had gone full bad in that movie. Like he was like the bad guy, but he was kind of like sort of half there. Whereas I felt, I mean, he was Charles Manson esque. That's pretty bad. But but. Uh, in this, I felt Chris Evans was like going full the villain, yeah, and and like full not not just full I am the ba- the bad guy, full I am ideology uh, ideology ideologically. ideologically the bad guy. You uh, know? I, the scene where he's like eat shit, eat mm-hmm. shit, eat shit up, eat shit. Like hey. that was such a fun. Yeah. That was such a fun moment. Also, uh, Chris Evans can rock a sweater like yeah, no like, man like, can rock like, a sweater. No human being can do. Yeah. It. But I I just I I enjoyed the fact that he was. You know, full blown yeah. villain by the end of it. Whether it, you know, I, I, I thought for a time that I was like, who is this third person that is sending the letters? And I was like, thought it was the maid and yada, yada, yada. But I, you know, for me, I was kind of invested enough to kind of go along yeah, with it. Yeah, same. Um, to the second part of Baby Dread's question, which was like, is this a whodunit? I think I think we kind of talked about that briefly at the beginning where it, it, it is a whodunit to begin with, but then it switches into like the innocent man, you know, uh, the, the gender version, the gendered yeah. version of that equation, but the innocent man film, which is like someone who uh, has to prove their innocence and whether we can get invested in their in their innocence. Just give us the disc and we'll give you your life back. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, the net. When are we going to review the net, Shahir? When will we stop being cowards? When will the technology finally catch up to the net? <laughs> uh, finally, one last review here. A voicemail coming in uh, hot from the other side of the planet. Wow. My hometown from New Zealand. This is Stephen emailing us in about nine. Out. 
Hi, Matt, you're here. How are you doing, guys? Um, yes, I'm afraid it's another Kiwi accent um, all the way from New Zealand. Okay, Knives Out. Um, it was a good movie. It's brilliantly shot. I know they, they used, um, they didn't use anamorphic lenses, which was an interesting choice. Um, and I think it shows. I quite like not seeing the anamorphic flares everywhere. Um, I thought the acting was good. Um, well, better than good. They're, they're all very good, solid performances. I think it was a very fine line for them to walk, um, where they were obviously not taking themselves too seriously, um, but they're not dipping into being cheesy. Um, and then I guess the script, I thought the script was very clever, but I think it was possibly a little too heavy-handed with the foreshadowing. Uh, I love the use of flashbacks. I liked the way they would um, go back and um, the characters would lie about, I would show you what really happened and then you'd see what they were lying about afterwards. I thought that was very innovative. Of, innovative? Yeah, no, I thought that was really good, enjoyed that. Um, but there's one flashback where they literally tell you who did it. Um, and if you were paying attention, that means that the next two thirds of the movie, um, you know, it's just a nice long ride. But like the Irishman, really. So yeah, that's, that's just some basic thoughts about it. Um, still think you should have done Ford versus Ferrari, because um, you know, that's, that's a movie that there's a lot more to talk about, and I think in that. Um, but yeah, no. Good movie. Hey, thanks for the podcast. It's great listening to you guys. Aww. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Like, am I the only person that didn't spot it was Chris Evans? Is it? Is it? Is that because I mean that's what Stephen's really talking about? Where he, uh, um, you know, they they he reveals who it was. And I I was speaking to Stephen earlier. Uh, he mentioned that it's the scene where uh, Marta comes down, down the and, and the grandmother says, "Ransom, are you back?" Am I the only one that was like? Didn't get it. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was, there was a lot of sort of like clues being thrown around. That yeah. was just one of many. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is a possibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, you didn't, yeah, no, I, I, maybe I'm just a great big dummy. No. Um, but, uh, but thanks uh, for sending that in, Stephen. We appreciate yeah, it. Also, uh, the Ford versus Ferrari, I literally, when I was listening to it, you, you won't hear me, but I was, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> just like how you're talking about it. Like, but yeah, uh, you know. You should have done this movie. I was like, "Thanks a lot, Steve." I've heard I've heard very good things about Ford vs. And and hey, it's every dad's favorite movie. It's every dad's favorite movie. It's also directed by a person who directed one of your favorite films. Yeah, yeah, Logan. Oh, James nice, Bangle. Nice. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Uh, You know, it's his follow-up. It's it's the one for the studio, one for me kind yeah, of deal. And yeah. I'd be curious to see what his one for me kind of deal looks like. Um, no, I'm. Uh, I I I will. There's just too many movies to see right now. That's true. Too many good movies, and this is this is why the Star Wars thing just kind of like it's the least interesting to me. It's it's always the least interesting to me. Oh, but it's we're but gonna it, chat more, especially now. It is the least interesting to me. But but not because I wouldn't. I you know I would go see Star Wars. I'm just saying, do I want to? I just really wish it wasn't coming out on the same day as Cats. Cats is really what you're. What you're. I'm. I. You have got me excited about Cats. I, I will, hope I'm, so. I will say that I was like Cats. Oh, cool. I'm. I'm curious to see what they do. I didn't see Les Misérables, uh, Tom Hooper's last thing. Um, so I'm really. I. You know. I. I like, Here's the thing. There's aspects of that version of that 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 film that mm. I really like, and there's ver- is and there's parts that I can't stand. The his Les Misérables. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, I think it's funny because the things I like in that, I don't want to go too much into it, but mm-hmm. the things I like in that movie, I think will play very well with what Cats is. Okay. So I, I'm hoping it all comes together in a beautiful feeline, uh, a big bully uh, meow mix. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's see where this all goes. Uh, if you have any other films for us to review, uh, which we won't do, we'll just kind of uh, fumble our way through the end of the year. It just, you know what it means? What? Is our top 10. We're going to have to push it back even further. Every year we push. No, we have every not. year we push our top ten uh, all the way down. No, no, no. We push. We, here, let me rephrase. We push back when we do it. Yeah, but exactly. we need to do of the year. We can't do movies that come out in twenty twenty. We can't do it. So we need to come back no, in no. January. I I agree with that. Thing. I'm just saying that we have to push back to do it when we do it, so we can catch all the movies of twenty nineteen to include. Oh, to include because we only do the ones that we review. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film Knives Out. Shakir, when you are not being Shaquille O'Neal, uh, <laughs> that's that's my murder that's mystery your name. Murder mystery name. It was Shaquille. It was Shaquille O'Neal Sol- in the in the laundry room with the candlestick. Yeah, uh, with the where, basketball. Where can folks find you? You can find me. In the dining room. <laughs> with the candlestick. With the candlestick. Is that the only murder weapon they had? No, there's what? like the, the, the knife. There's a knife. There's scissors. There's a, a tire iron. There's Was there a tire iron? Yeah, sure. Okay. You can find me uh, debating which uh, implement of death I will use uh, in any given scenario on my website, www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-A-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are rocking, when you are deciding what is going to be the ultimate Chris Evans sweater uh, that you will wear this year, uh, where can people find you well i could never hold a candlestick oh to that mm-hmm. gentleman's sweater game uh but you can find me not trying over at my website m-a-t-t-h-e-w-k-r-o-l.com for my life and works also skeletor the number four p-r-e-z on instagram p-s-n and steam and then uh you can find me on twitter at emperor msk also check out the good works we're doing over at extra credits uh we're doing our because games matter stuff this month uh it's super it's uh it's awesome we're do- we have a bunch of good charities we're working with and we have an, um, some amazing stories of why games uh in video games in particular um can actually do some real good in this crazy mixed up world yeah like uh where in the world is common san diego I, yeah we learned yeah. a lot uh like we learned about rockapella and i think that's what's the most important thing what's rockapella shut up what's rockapella? shut your mouth zoe can't believe you she's screaming out what the is door. rockapella i don't you know don't know what rockapella is no i don't know email what... us in only movie podcast yeah. at gmail.com and shame shahir just i just want you to write in your email if you know what rockapella is and you think that shahir should know what rockapella is just write shahir shame shahir shame or shame shahir no, no, that, I, that would be more grammatically correct. I know. Okay. Anyway, because <laughs> that's how I will come back. Anyway, to you. <laughs> oh my God, he says he's a Carmen San Diego fan. Everybody he doesn't know fucking Rockapella. I don't know what Rockapella is. Well, you're gonna keep one, or I'm not telling you. Hey Matt, what? You got any knives out? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. So now-